I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And you can read my agent's take uh, column at cbssports.com on salary cap and contract matters. Uh, This week, we are going to look at offensive players to watch in a contract year. We'll start with the quarterback position. Jameis Winston. Uh, spent last year as a backup to Drew Brees. He's now the starting quarterback in New Orleans after beating out uh, Taysom Hill in a uh, preseason competition. Winston is under a one-year $5.5 million contract, which is worth up to $12 million in incentives. with incentives. Winston was brilliant in the first game, threw five touchdown passes against a bad Packers defense, no interceptions. Week two, different story when facing a good Panthers defense. Career low passer rating, 26.9 through two interceptions. Reverted back to the form, which got him bounced out of Tampa to begin with. Uh, Threw a couple of balls up up for grabs for the two interceptions. Now, the question is, who is the real Jameis Winston? Was the guy we saw in week one, the guy we saw in week two, or something in between. One thing Jameis is going to have to do if he wants to have a future in New Orleans, cut down on the turnovers. The reason that he was not retained in Tampa, besides when I got the greatest player of all time, Tom Brady, was his penchant for turnovers. Um, That last year, 30 touchdown passes, 30 interceptions. Nobody's ever done that before. During his five seasons in Tampa's in Tampa, 111 giveaways, 80 interceptions, 23 lost fumbles. So, if he can cons- significantly cut cut down the turnovers, keep the touchdowns, limit the interceptions, maybe Jameis has a chance to be the long-term answer at quarterback in New Orleans. We got 15 more games to go, so we'll see. And if he can, he'll most likely get a franchise tag because. He'll turn 28 in January, and if the good James, good parts of Jameis are there and you can eliminate the negative parts for the most part, he would be in high demand in free agency. Uh, has a number one pick pedigree, plenty of starting experience, and if his decision-making looks like it's taken a huge change under Sean Payton, they'd have to stick a franchise tag on him, the non-exclusive quarterback franchise tag number, at $208.2 million, the salary cap ceiling projects to $29.726 million. Now, it's another quarterback where you could say one team's trash 
is another team's treasure. Teddy Bridgewater last year signed a three-year, $60 million contract to go to the Carolina Panthers. And after one year, they gave up on him. They traded for Sam Darnold um, before the the draft, uh, which made him expendable. And Bridgewater got traded to uh, the Broncos for a 2021 six-round pick so he could compete with Drew Locke, Denver's 2019 um, seventh-round pick. Second round pick, I should say. And to facilitate the trade, he took a pay cut from the $18 million he was supposed to make this year down to $11.5 million. The Panthers ate some salary out the door. They're paying a little over $7 million of the salary. And also, his 2022 contract year uh, was deleted. Now, his first two weeks, uh, Bridgewater has been everything Vic Fangio could have asked for him to be. This guy, in getting Denver to a 2-0 start, four TDs, no turnovers, nearly 300 yards passing per game, 77.1 completion percentage. Obviously, he's not going to keep that up. But uh, Denver has not been to the playoffs since 2015 when they won Super Bowl 50. And... If you can continue to get steady play from Bridgewater to complement what was already a strong defense, they're going to be in the playoff mix. And Bridgewater will cement himself as a starting quarterback either in Denver next year or someplace else. Now, the reason I say someplace else is one of the prime destinations for a disgruntled Aaron Rodgers, who I still think is playing his last year in Green Bay, it's been Denver. But the better Teddy Bridgewater plays, and the better they do, well, maybe that whole Aaron Rodgers thing kind of goes on the back burner. But anyway, Bridgewater has gotten off to a tremendous start. Um, so lopping off that last year in the contract uh, could be very crucial for him. We've got a couple other quarterbacks that I don't think there's going to be a tremendous market for. Andy Dalton, stopgap guy with the Bears, one-year deal, $10 million. He's week to week of a bone bruise. Justin Fields was drafted to be the quarterback of the future. I know Matt Nagy said that when Dalton's ready to go, Fields goes back to the bench. Yeah, what if Fields plays really well? Then that's going out the window. Ron Fitzpatrick, Washington football team, $10 million on a one-year deal, $12 million max with incentives. Uh, he's on IR because of a hip injury, which could keep him out for the an estimated eight weeks. Tyler Heineke played really, really well, or well enough, uh, against the Giants in, in week two, then proclaimed he should be the starter uh, for the rest of the year. I'm like, pump your brakes, Valley. You've only started really two games, three games in your career. So uh, Kyle Allen played great for Ron Rivera and Carolina for like four or five weeks in his first few starts. And the league figured him out. And Kyle Allen, coincidentally, is backing up uh, Taylor Heineke. So those two guys, I don't think free agency is going to be what they expect it to be. Backup quarterback, maybe stopgap guy someplace else. 
Tyrod Taylor. If this guy didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. 2019, he's brought in to be the starter. Has a concussion, like in week three, I believe. Baker Mayfield comes in, never sees the field again. Last year, he's brought in to be the starter. Justin Herbert wasn't supposed to play. (laughs) Um, Freak punctured lung while getting a pain-killing injection early in the season. Herbert comes in. Herbert looks like a future superstar. This year, because of the Deshaun Watson situation, who they don't plan on playing, he's brought in back one-year deal, $5.5 million, $12 million max incentives. He's playing great. First game in a quarter, whatever he played in week two. And hamstring injury on IR out at least three weeks. Davis Mills, their first pick because Miami has them all from the Larry Tunsil trade. Not all of them, but you get what I mean. Um, in the third round, it's taken over. So, um, seems like if you want to find a young quarterback and get on the field early, have Tyrod Taylor be the guy who's going to be the transition guy. So, um, we know Deshaun Watson's not going to be there next year. So, Mills doesn't look ready. Taylor comes back, gets his job back, plays reasonably well. He could be the starter there next year. Tua Tavagaloa in Miami, fractured ribs on IR for at least three weeks. Could be four to six weeks. Uh, injury, Jacoby Brissett, the backup, one-year deal, $5 million, $7.5 million max through incentives. Now, Brissett in Indianapolis was the guy that took over when Andrew Luck abruptly retired. The Colts gave him an extension for one year at $28 million, which was the equivalent of basically the franchise tag back then, and played his way out of the job. So he was a high-paid backup in 2020. They signed Phillip Rivers. So he'll get a chance to see if he can put himself in a position to start um, while Tua is out. But ultimately, I think Stephen Ross gets his way, the owner, and Deshaun Watson is their quarterback next year. But interestingly... Brissett's never had an agent. Um, Didn't have one for his rookie deal. And I don't know if he had an advisor helping him or who did for the veteran deals. But one of the handful of players who does not have an agent. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, let's go to running back. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any huge deals with running back. Looking at the crop that's going to be free. Melvin Gordon, he's going to be 29 next year. He'll be lucky to get back to the $16 million over two years. He got to go to Denver. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, also Sony Michelle. Nobody, I don't think anybody's going to, nobody should come close to the Aaron Jones territory. Jones from Green Bay, $48 million, four years, which is really $20 million over two because it's so backloaded, but on paper it's $48 million. Um, someone can get to Kenyon Drake territory, possibly. Uh, $11 million over two years to leave the Cardinals 
for the Raiders in free agency, $14.5 million max. Um, but the one running back who could have gotten paid was uh, Nick Chubb, but he signed a contract extension in the $12 million per neighborhood. But running back, not going to be a huge position of need, or I should say demand was probably a better word, where people are going to be breaking the bank um, in free agency. Now, wide receivers are going to be a different story. Now, the most interesting case to me is Devontae Adams. Um, Adams and the Packers have not been able to come close to getting a deal done. One of the big sticking points is the Packers want to disregard DeAndre Hopkins' deal. He had three years left on his contract, signed a two-year extension, averaging uh, $27.25 million per year. Now, I guarantee you if DeAndre Hopkins had come in around $20 million per year on the new money average, Packers would be happy to count that deal in the marketplace. You can't cherry-pick deals. Deals are done by new money regardless of how much time you have left on the contract. Um, so he is the highest paid receiver. Adams has a tremendous case to be the highest paid receiver to me. 2018 through 20, production was right up there at the top. Third in receptions for 309, fourth in receiving yards, 3,757, 36 touchdown catches, which were the most in the NFL during this span. As an alternative to getting to the Hopkins new money average, I might be trying to get less than that, maybe $25 million per year, if I can get Green Bay to buy off on doing something they haven't done for anybody except Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay is one of those teams, Packers, Steelers, Bengals, that don't do guarantees outside of signing bonus. They have these early March roster bonuses, like third day, fifth day of the league year, and years two and three of the contract which are supposed to substitute for guarantees, but the money's not secure, so you are still vulnerable to be cut. Now, T.J. Watt got Pittsburgh to fundamentally change how they do things. Watt has $80 million fully guaranteed at signing, when they've never done that for anybody, and became the highest paid non-quarterback at $28 million per year, just a shade over $28 million per year, right before the regular season started. Now, he can go one of two ways. He can go, I wanted to be the highest paid non-quarterback, so now Watt's in the mix, so I want more than that. And if we're going to do your Green Bay structure, typical Green Bay structure, we got to front load this tremendously, so my cash flow is better than quarterback cash flow. Or, well, he could still go, you know what, I want the TNY treatment. I want my have my cake and eat it too. But he might have a better shot of getting that if he would take less on the average, try to get the guarantees in a way Green Bay's never done them and go from there and try to get Green Bay to do something they only do for Aaron Rodgers. But I have a hard time thinking that they aren't going to stick a franchise tag on him next year, even though they have a very tough or challenging cap situation for next year. Uh, they got 243.535 million of cap commitments for 2022 with just 39 players under contract. Now, top 51 count in the off season, and his franchise tag number is going to be based off of the 120% increase provision, salary increase provisions, which basically the 120% is going to go to his cap number. 
So his franchise tag is going to be $20.12 million. And they're already over $240 million. Easiest way to uh, shed payroll, trade Aaron Rodgers. And he has said that what happens with Rodgers would impact what he wants to do. So stay tuned on that one. Well, we've got um, Allen Robinson, who is playing on a franchise tag in Chicago. And he didn't really want to get franchised this year for $17.88 million, But he signed that tender as soon as they started chasing Kenny Galladay in free agency. Quarterback play has been shaky at best. And last two seasons, 2019 and 20, fourth most receptions, 200, and slightly under 2,400 receiving yards. Um, they haven't had reportedly serious negotiations since last September. And when talks broke down, we saw Keenan Allen sign an extension averaging $20.25 million per year, $50 million in guarantees, four-year extension. And then the Hopkins deal, which replaced Julio Jones at $22 million per year. So when you catch a career-high 102 passes, then you're probably confirmed, at least in your mind, that that marketplace is about where it should be, that Keenan Allen deal would be what he would think should be his floor. Now, we'll see if Chicago puts another franchise tag on him. Could be a whole wholesale changes. Season goes south. Uh, Matt Nagy, the head coach, is probably out. Ryan Pace, the GM, is probably out. Second franchise tag would be $21.456 million. So, uh, we'll see. Chris Godwin um, got the franchise tag for Tampa at $15.983 million instead of edge rusher Shaquille Barrett. Now, one thing in Tampa, because of their great receiving weapons, they had the best receiving, rod receiving trio in the league, in my opinion, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Godwin. And then Rob Gronkowski seems to be more like the Rob Gronkowski in Tampa so far this year, I mean in New England, than he was first half of last year. I don't think there's really much of a chance that Godwin is going to duplicate his production of his breakout season in 2019 because of all the weapons at Tom Brady's disposal. He caught 86 passes for 1,333 yards of non-touchdowns despite missing the last two games of hamstring injury. So um, I've heard there's some sensitivity to Mike Evans' deal that he signed several years ago. I believe that was in 2017 when Evans signed that deal. Um, for $16.5 million per year. Market's changed. Uh, if I'm Godwin, you got to get me at least a Kenny Galladay. $72 million over four years. Maxes out at $76 million. Incentives to John's game in free agency. Um, $40 million in guarantees. $28 million fully guaranteed at signing. Franchise tag with the 120% salary increase rule for Godwin. Nineteen million one hundred seventy-nine thousand six hundred dollars. So <laughs> we'll see where uh, that one goes. There are a couple other receivers to keep your eye on, um, at least to me. Cortland Sutton um, for Denver um, tore his ACL um, last season, so he's coming back and looks like he's not showing any ill effects from the uh, ACL. They torn his left knee. Played two games last year. Last week had a career-high nine catches, 159 yards against the Jaguars. Especially since there's an extra game. He seems like he's got a 
very good shot of breaking or setting career highs. 70, 72 receptions, 1,112 receiving yards. That's from 2019. So Broncos would have to take care of him. And if, to me, the range for these guys, he's their number one. To me, Corey Davis, when he went to um, the Jets, signed as a number two. That's number two money to me, even though he's the number one. $37.5 million over three years, $12.5 million per year. You had Taylor Lockett sign as a, I call him one and a half, with um, DK Metcalf, got a four-year extension. This is his third contract at um, $17.3 million per year, $69 million. $69.2 million over four years of $37 million guarantees. So you got to factor those in the mix with Galladay for a guy like uh, Sutton. Franchise tag, $18.326 million from the way I calculated at the $208.2 million salary cap ceiling. Mike Williams is the number two receiver with the Chargers. They're already paying Keenan Allen, but he's gotten off to a great start. 15 catches, 173 yards, two touchdowns. Seems like he's getting a lot more targets with Joe Lombardi as the new offensive coordinator for the Chargers. He was the Saints quarterback coach the past couple of years. He's playing this year on a $15.68 million fifth-year option. He's going to price himself out. He's going to price himself out of L.A. most likely. Now, one that gets interesting to me is Michael Gallup in Dallas. They drafted CeeDee Lamb first round. 2020, Gallup went over 1,000 yards in 2019, 1,107 yards on 66 receptions. Last year, 843 yards, 59 receptions. And that was with basically Andy Dalton as opposed to uh, Dak Prescott, who got hurt early in the year. The reason this one is interesting, and he's got a calf strain as an IR right now. The way the Amari Cooper contract is structured, if they wanted to get out of Amari Cooper's contract, next year, and then have Gallup be the one, it's doable. $22 million cap number for Amari Cooper, only only um, $6 million in dead money because he had a $10 million signing bonus. And that third year is not fully guaranteed at signing. It's flat deal, the third year salary, guaranteed for injury at signing, becomes fully guaranteed fifth day of the league year. Big mistake. And I don't know how that happened because the year before, DeMarcus Lawrence franchise tag signed a deal slightly more in overall dollars. $25 million signing bonus. Third year became fully guaranteed in March of the second year. So Cooper's third year really should already be secure, but he's vulnerable because of that. I keep an eye on this. If they are going to keep Cooper, Gallup's probably gone. To me, minimum would be Corey Davis money uh, someplace else. I don't know if I don't think Dallas would pay him that because of CD Lamb also there. But if they want to get out of the Amari Cooper contract, they can and then anoint Malib, uh, Michael Gallup, presumably for cheaper, as their number one receiver. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's turn our attention to tight end. And we'll start with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Surprised that um, Zach Ertz wasn't traded. Seemed inevitable that Zach Ertz would be in a different uniform um, for the start of the 2021 season. Uh, The odds-on favorite was the Indianapolis Colts because his uh, buddy Carson Wentz was traded. Not sure why he wasn't just folded into the trade. But... um, Harry Roseman, the uh, general manager, decided to hold on to him. Didn't like the asking price after giving him, um, or what he could get in return after giving him, giving Ertz permission to shop himself for a trade um, during the offseason. Then Ertz surprised everyone by saying uh, towards the end of the preseason that he, it's all water under the bridge, let bygones be bygones. And I want to finish my career in Philly. And I'm not, I don't really think that's realistic. But got to take a couple things to account first. Ertz last year was had an ankle injury that sidelined him for five games, needed surgery. And he spent most of the offseason rehabbing. And by all accounts, during training camp, looked like the old Zach Ertz. Not an old Zach Ertz, but the Zach Ertz that was three-time Pro Bowler from 2017 to 19. He gotten back to his old form. His old form. Now, his production isn't going to come close to what it had been for a couple of reasons. One, he's splitting time more so than ever at tight end with Dallas Goddard. It used to be that Ertz rarely came off the field. Goddard's play time was very high for a second tight end. But now they're basically neck and neck and snaps roughly playing about 65% of the plays. Also, Jalen Jalen Hurts, the new quarterback, doesn't really look at tight ends. Not the way Carson Wentz did. Hurts has four targets in two games. Previously, and even before um, Carson Wentz took over, he was getting eight, nine targets a game. Two targets a game (laughs) as opposed to nine. You're not going to be putting up numbers even if there hasn't been a, a diminishment in skill. Uh, Ertz has the largest um, cap number for a tight end this year at 12721500 So that's not a great distribution of assets <laughs> if you're not going to utilize them in a significant way. So franchise tags out of the question next year. 120% of that, $15,265,800, not going to happen. Now, this gets to the other reason I don't think he's going to be around. He's four years older than Dallas Goddard, who's 26 years old. And Dallas Goddard is in a, um, or 27 years old, about four years, uh, in contract year as well. 2018 second round pick. Goddard thought he would have a new deal by now. That's what he said 
right before the start of the regular season, and that negotiations had been tabled. To me, if you were ever going to sign Dallas Goddard, as soon as Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, who haven't been as productive as Goddard, even though he never was the starting tight end, those deals were the floor for any Goddard contract. They both signed at $12.5 million per year. Hunter, $37.5 million over three years. Jonu Smith, $50 million over four. Basically, $25 million in guarantees, fully guaranteed at signing for Hunter. $31.25 million most fully guaranteed um, at signing for tight end for Smith. You're never going to get him to sign for under that, <laughs> to me. So, I suspect Philadelphia is playing this thing. Well, now we got Ertz here. He's not going anywhere. We can't do Goddard right now. Or it could be, uh, we'll, we'll see. And whoever is most productive, particularly if Ertz looks like the Zach Ertz who doesn't have a diminishment in skills, we'll pick one after the season to try to keep. Risky proposition. Ertz says he wants to stay, so you don't may not need the franchise tag. But from Dallas Goddard, I want out of Philly regardless because of this. One, you brought back Ertz. Two, I don't have a deal. And then you've gone out and extended two guys who were in my draft class. Most recently, Josh Sweat last weekend, edge rusher. And Jordan Mulata, uh, great story. Seventh round pick, offensive tackle. I'm like, hey, I've been more productive than they have. You're not extending me? So you know what? That Mark Andrews deal that got done right before the regular season, you want me here regardless of what I do? You're going to have to pay me more than his $14 million, more than his $37.6 million in total guarantees, and more than his $30.1 million fully guaranteed at signing. Otherwise, I want out. Now, Philadelphia's ace in the hole is they franchise him. The franchise tag that I'm projecting for tight ends will be 10.36. $10.936 million at the salary cap ceiling at $208.2 million. But if I'm Dallas Goddard, I'm not happy. Now, a couple other tight ends who were also um, up, and I think the Logan Thomas deal that was done um, in the preseason, converted quarterback from Virginia Tech, signed a three-year extension, averaging $8,021,667. Not a lot of guarantees in the deal, $10.35 million. But that average kind of sets what should be the floor for some of these younger guys who have been tight ends. And one of those guys is Evan Ingram, whose best year was his rookie year in 2017. He's um, playing on a 6.013 fifth-year option. Was named to the Pro Bowl last year, but he didn't go to the Pro Bowl if tight ends are healthy. Um, George Kittle wasn't a Pro Bowler because those two spots have been taken up by Kittle and Zach Ertz past two years. Both of them were hurt. So he gets in as the second tight end. TJ Hawkinson was voted as the starter. But his best year is a rookie year. 64 catches, 722 yards, six uh, touchdowns. Hadn't played. This year, yet supposed to play this week because of a calf injury. But he may be thinking that Austin Hooper deal is where he should be, $10.5 million per year that Hooper got to become the first tight end to sign a deal over $10 million per year from the Browns in free agency last year. But that's one. Mike Jacecki in Miami 
some people are going to say Robert Tanyan um, for Green Bay led in, led tight ends for 11 touchdown receptions last year. Uh, former wide receiver, undrafted guy. Then the one that is interesting to me is because ESPN had this article um, about most unappreciated players at every position, about 10 secret stars. Their tight end choice was Dalton Schultz, the Dallas Cowboys. And Dalton Schultz was supposed to be the blocking tight end last year, but Blake Jarwin, who was signed to a four-year deal, four-year contract for $22 million, maxes out at 24-6 with incentives, tore his ACL in the first game. So instead of just being a blocking tight end, he's their full-time tight end. Schultz caught 63 passes, 615 yards, four touchdowns last year. Now, here's the quote from an anonymous executive. He got better than just about anybody on that team last year, an NFL exe- NFC exec said. He's an emerging player at a position that doesn't have many of them. So they're paying Blake Jarwin. They're not doing extensions. Michael Gallup is free. Dalton Schultz could get paid. That'll be one I would watch, Dalton Schultz <laughs> um, in Dallas. Now let's turn to the offensive line. The Saints have to decide whether they want to invest a ton of money in offensive tackle. Because in the, in the June, they made Ryan Ramsick the highest paid right tackle when you had a bunch of tackles come in the 17.5 to $19 million range right behind him. They all think Ryan Ramsick. Ramsick signed a five-year uh, $96 million contract extension, averages $19.2 million per year, shade over $60 million of guarantees. $43 million is from change, fully guaranteed at signing. He's got escalators. And here's a key tip-off that the escalators are tied to him being first or second team all pro at left tackle. So the deal maxes out at $102 million. So they've contemplated he's going to play left tackle at some point. And Armstead, who's a pro bowler in his own right, in a contract year. So... They have to be comfortable setting the market at both positions for Armstead to be a ramp. Otherwise, he's probably going to hit the open market, particularly if they have to use the franchise tag on James Winston. I'm looking to be the first $25 million per year offensive lineman if I'm Armstead and I hit the open market because you don't see a guy still in his prime. He'll be He's three years younger than Trent Williams, 30. Williams, 33, when he um, signed a deal last year. On paper, to make the highest-paid offensive lineman at 23.01 million, Dave Bakhtiari is right behind him at 23 million. So, either way, Teron Armstead is going to be a rich man. But I'm not going to be shocked if he if he hits the open market. He's the first 25 million dollar per year offensive lineman. Let's stick it tackle for a minute. Orlando Brown wanted out of Baltimore to be a left tackle. His dad. Orlando Brown Sr. was an offensive tackle for a left tackle for the Browns. And um, the Ravens, his name was Zeus. His nickname was Zeus. I had a couple clients that um, played with him. Um, Keenan McCardell and the late Michael Jackson. Um, But Ronnie Stanley's a left tackle. He's an all-pro 2019. And they, they paid him. So Ronnie Stanley is on a deal that averages $19.75 million a year. They just paid him last middle 
last season, right before he hurt his ankle, which allowed Orlando Brown to shift over to left tackle, and Brown played left tackle well in his absence. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, he had 389 blocking, uh, pass blocking snaps at left tackle, no quarterback hits, no sacks. Was named to the Pro Bowl, but he's never playing left tackle in Baltimore. So Kansas City traded their first round pick from this year, 31st overall, uh, 2021 third round pick, 2021 fourth round pick, 2022 fifth round pick to get uh, Brown, a 2021 second round pick, and a 2022 sixth round pick. So they're letting him play out his rookie contract. So that's usually a mistake that we've seen time and time again that in most recently with Jamal Adams, if you give up significant draft capital and you don't get the extension done at the time and you want to keep the guy, you are paying a premium in the process. Now, he'll get the franchise tag if push comes to shove, and I'm projecting the offensive line number to be $16.631 million. If he successfully makes, continues to play well at left, left tackle like he did last year, proves to be an upgrade over Eric Fisher, the Pro Bowl left tackle towards Achilles in the playoffs that they let go, he, he can reset the pay scale for offensive linemen um, as well. So that's one to keep your eye on. Let's turn to the interior of the offensive line um, for a minute. Brandon Scherf. The Washington football team has been franchised the past two years. There ain't going to be a third franchise tag next year. First one was $15.03 million, 20% raise, $18.036 million this year. Third one would be a 44% raise, the way the rules work over his current number. So that would be $25,971,840 at a minimum, or the non-exclusive quarterback number, which I project to be $29.326 million. So, he's not getting a third franchise tag. And we've seen in recent years that you get a Pro Bowl caliber guard and Scherf had his fourth selection in five years last year. On the open market, they reset the market. Right now, Joe Tooney, who was one of those guys who was a benchmark, is a benchmark for guards, now at $80 million over five years, $60 million per year, just under $47 million in guarantees. He's one of the guys who's done that. Andrew Norwell, Coletio Semele, Kevin Zeitler have all set the market in recent years when they've been free agents. So, Sheriff will most likely do the same, but he won't be the highest paid guy for long because Quentin Nelson, who will be playing on a fifth-year option with the Colts, that's ultimately going to be the first, the guy. He could be the first $20 million per year interior guy. Um, but let's um, stay in the interior for a minute. Ryan Jensen for Tampa Bay Buccaneers is also up next year. In 2018, he became the highest paid center in free agency, $42 million over four years. Um, they did Donovan Smith, the left tackle, did an extension of him as opposed to Jensen. But if... They're still in the Super Bowl window of Tom Brady. They repeat or get back there. They'll probably try to bring the band back together again. Jensen's not going to want to take a pay cut. Center market has moved 
first, Corey Lindsley, $12.5 million per year from the Chargers this year. Then Frank Ragno, um, two years left on the rookie contract. 2018 first-round pick from the Lions. Signs for $13.5 million per year. So Jensen could be one to watch. If he gets the open market, then he could be high up there. Going back to going back to the outside for a minute. Surprisingly, Cam Robinson was given a franchise tag by the Jaguars for $13.75 million after being a mediocre left tackle. They drafted Walker Little in the second round, waiting in the wings. We've seen guys like Garrett Bowles put it together, signed for $17 million per year. Colton Miller's like at 18. Robinson has a great year. They can stick a second franchise tag on him or go ahead and give him an extension in that type of neighborhood. But they have a ton of cap room. If they want to, they go after Armstead to me because you need someone who's going to pre- protect the investment you made in having Trevor Lawrence be the first overall pick. You can't have a mediocre left tackle, in my opinion. But we'll see if Robinson can put it all together this year. But they hedged their bets with Walker Little, who could also play on the right side. And then Dwayne Brown is an interesting one. I mean, he had that hold in this year. He's 36. And tackles typically don't play at a high level late in their 30s. We don't have a huge track work to go on, but we have Andrew Whitworth, who is now 39. He's the poster boy for longevity. He'll turn 40 in December. He was right around right around Brown's age when he went to the Rams in 2017. Three-year deal, $37.75 million, max at $36 million. Brown's current contract averages $12 million per year. He's not going to think he needs to take a pay cut, and particularly if he plays well this year because Pro Football Focus had him coming into this year as 11 best tackle, 7th among left tackles. So if he can still maintain that, and Russell Wilson went to bat for him in the preseason when he was having his hold-in, then they're going to have to pay him on a two-, three-year basis. Now, if you want to take where Whitworth was in the marketplace and extrapolate that to where Brown would need to be under today's market, that puts him at roughly $16 million per year. I don't know if Seattle wants to go to $16 million per year. If you're going to go there, you might as well go year-to-year on a franchise tag. But I don't think Brown's going to want to take a pay cut. What they did for his contract, he had a million dollars in per-game roster bonuses. Cut those out. So if he gets hurt, he gets the money. Converted $7 million. He's, make, he's supposed to make 11 this year. Converted $7 million into signing bonus. Added a voiding dummy year. Stretched it out over two years. Guaranteed his base salary. Still making 11 But it's more secure. And what... I didn't know was that if you have a voiding dummy year for base salary, which is $1.12 million league minimum, that that would qualify still for injury protection under the CBA, even though it's a fake year. So if he got hurt, then under injury protection, you're entitled your 100% of your base salary up to a maximum of $2 million. His is $1.12 million. So if he gets hurt and can't play, has a injury, 
He's got protection apparently at 1.12 million, which I did not know. I didn't think that it worked that way, but that's the impression I'm now under. So, Dwayne Brown with the AIDS, that's an, that's another interesting one to me. So, that's going to wrap up uh, this week's uh, Inside the Cap. I want to thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my CBSSports.com CBS column, Agents Take. And we'll see you back here next week, and goodbye. Goodbye.